Hey there, I'm Amy Claire Wilson. I am a covenant member here at The Well, and I attend the Northwest CG. Hey guys. Um, and then I serve in doing kids check-in. Um, <laughs> okay, today I'll be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given, to, given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by none. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ." This is the word of the Lord. All right, adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God, how are we? Good. Uh, week two of our series on being empowered by the Spirit. We ready? Um, I feel like that old Street Fighter announcer there. It's like round two, fight. All right. Um, hey, listen, in case you weren't here last week, uh, we are in our distinctive uh, talking about uh, the Holy Spirit. And we want to be a people that are empowered by the Spirit, that are led by the Spirit, that are really in love with the Spirit of God, our advocate and our counselor. And so this week uh, is going to build off of last week a lot. So if you missed it, I would encourage you to go back and to check it out because they really build into and on top of one another. But last week we talked a lot about who the Holy Spirit is, hoping to clear a bunch of misconceptions on the Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a force. He ain't strange, okay? The Holy Spirit is a person. And the reason that this is important is because our God is a relational God. He is not some distant being that does not really care about your existence. In fact, quite the opposite is true. And so if nothing else in this series, I hope that if that is your picture of God, that he's this kind of distant being that does not care about you, I hope that that is what is erased in this series. God is a relational God who wants you to have relationship with him and he with us as well. In fact, God desires relationships so much so that he would send his only son, Christ, into the world to become a man, to die for our sins, which separated us from God. And Jesus' death, it broke that dividing wall that was put up between us because of our sin between us and God, and now we can have relationship with him. So much did God desire relationship that God would take on this separation in his death that we would have fellowship again. And I don't care how many times you've heard the gospel, that deserves at least five or six amens this afternoon, that you are now a child of God because of Christ and what he has done for you. To put it maybe a little bit more plainly, what the scriptures are saying is that we were not pursuing God, God was pursuing us. 
He wants relationship. And now he has sent his Holy Spirit that we might have relationship with him forever. Glory, glory. And so the fact that the Spirit is a person and a personal being is important because if the Holy Spirit is a person, which he is, then it proves once again that God desires relationship with us. It proves to us again that God is a relational being seeking to initiate and to sustain relationship with the people that he has created. And so in light of this, last week we hit a lot on the who of the Holy Spirit, who is he, and this week we're gonna hit significantly more on the what of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? What are his roles in this world and in our life? Because understanding his roles allows us to engage with him on a much more practical and personal level and really appreciate all that he is doing or really to give worship to him as he does that work in our lives. And through that, we can form a deeper relationship with God as we appreciate what God is doing as we worship God who is the Spirit. You following? Five of us, great. Let me start all over, I'm just kidding, okay? Listen, Wayne Grudem, who is a professor and a theologian, when talking about the Holy Spirit in his book, Systematic Theology, he summarizes the Spirit by saying this. It says, the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. And so the main role of the Holy Spirit is to reveal God to others. In fact, so much is this the Holy Spirit's work and so good is he at his job that we often praise God the Father and we praise Christ the Son and we forget about the Holy Spirit because of how good he is at revealing who God is. We forget that he's even the one revealing. He's showing us God over and over and over again. In fact, a professor and a Christian rapper ambassador or Deuce Branch uh, he once wrote a song about the Trinity, and I love his line about the Spirit, because after doing a whole verse on the Father, and then doing a whole verse on the Son, he does a whole verse on the Holy Spirit, but then he adds some extra lines at the end. And he says this, he says, oh, I'm giving you some extra bars, which is lines for those of you who don't know, okay? <laughs> I'm giving you some extra bars. Your humility's killing me. You willingly seem to lit applause. Go to the Father and the Son, both described as the Savior. You always point to Jesus, then you slide off the radar. You enter in a heart that was wired for chaos with just a little spark, new desires are there. Salvation gets applied, you revive from the graveyard. I mention you as God, because you are, and we praise you. I love that line, your humility's killing me, he says. The Spirit of God reveals God to us and then sort of steps out of the way, if you will, and honestly, that is immediately a rebuke for our glory-hungry culture and generation, right? We long to be recognized, don't we? And everything we do, we long to receive credit for. Now, there's at times nothing wrong with this. In fact, at times, credit is misapplied and uh, injustice flourishes because of that. But often, our desire for recognition is really rooted in our self-absorbed pride, hello, or our insecurity about who God has made us to be, needing recognition to feel valuable rather than realizing that we are blood-bought sons and daughters of the Most High God. We need no one to give us any appreciation. And yet we long for recognition 
we sequently seek this, uh, this affirmation. The Holy Spirit, though, is probably responsible for every single thing that you know about Christ, and yet he needs none of the praise. He is fully content with Christ taking the center stage. And so I love the Spirit's humility, as Ambassador pointed out, and I think that we can learn from this as a people. Regardless of his humility, though, he's still God. And as God, we should rightly worship him as God. We should thank him for his works in our life. We should honor those works when we see them interacting in our lives. We should seek for more of this work so that we can see more of God moving in our life so that our souls can come alive, family. We should long for the Holy Spirit. And so I wanna do something a little bit different before we dive into our text this afternoon that I hope is encouraging to you. I wanna put up a list of some of the works of the Holy Spirit up on the screen behind me. And there's a bunch of stuff up here. I know it's small font because I tried to fit too many up there, okay? Now, he does more than just this, but this is a lot of what the Holy Spirit does. And I want you to look through this. This is gonna stay up on the screen for a second. And I want you to either in your mind, okay, or on paper, since I'm not getting a lot of feedback today, I'm assuming most of y'all are taking notes, amen, hallelujah. And I want you to write down two or three things that you actually have felt or seen the Holy Spirit do in your life. And I want you to thank him for this. I want you to realize how the Holy Spirit is working in your life, maybe even this morning or this afternoon. I want you to realize how the Spirit of God has been moving in your heart. And I want you to literally worship him for these are the works of the Spirit in our life. And even if you've come in here today and you're not really sure if you're a Christian, you don't know where you're at with Christ, I can assure you that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. He is trying to reveal Christ to you. And maybe you can recognize some of how God is trying to reveal himself to you even by looking through this list. Now, as that list is on the screen, and as you're thinking about it, I'm kind of hoping we can dual task here. You can listen and write, all right? <clears throat> but in light of all of this, what I want to do is I want to look through five overarching things that the Holy Spirit does, okay? Once again, we're not covering every single work of the Spirit today. That would take like four hours, and we ain't a Pentecostal church, okay? But I tried to give my best to give an overarching category for all of what the Holy Spirit does and the work of the Spirit in our life. And here's what I want you to do, okay? I'm gonna give you the application in the front one-third of the sermon here, okay? I want you to look at the five things that we talk about today when they're up on the screen later. And even as we're talking through them, the one that you feel like you can see the Holy Spirit's role in your life the most, I want you to praise him for that. I want you to worship the Holy Spirit for moving in your life, like during the sermon or during worship toward the end of our gathering or even during this week, I want you to worship the Holy Spirit of God. Praise him for moving in your life. And then the one that you see the least, there will be five overarching things on the screen once again. The one that you realize you don't really see him moving in your life, I want you to ask him for that thing. I want you to ask him to move more in your life that you would be able to see more of God, that you would be able to experience the presence of God, the, the nearness of God. Even as we sang in our second song, I mean, you are welcome in my life because you reveal Christ to me and Christ is why we live. And so we wanna see more of him. And so I want you to thank him and ask of him more. Cool? Okay, that was the longest introduction I've ever done. 
All right, someone just looked like introduction. All right, don't worry, we ain't Pentecostal, okay? We're a third of the way through already, unless the Holy Spirit takes over. Come on now, all right? First, the first overarching work of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit empowers Christians to do Christ's work. The Holy Spirit, he empowers Christians specifically to do Christ's work. Now, in a general sense, the Holy Spirit actually empowers everyone for life. Psalm 104 and Job 34 actually speak that. In fact, in Job 34, beginning in verse 14, it says, If he, the Spirit, should set his heart to it and gather to himself his spirit and his breath, then all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. Now, the author is doing a really cool trick on words here because the word spirit is the same Hebrew word for the word breath, ruach. And so the Holy Spirit is life. He gives breath, the wind of God, if you will. And so interactive sermon, take a deep breath. (sighs) Say, thank you, Holy Spirit. That is one of the roles of the Spirit in your life. If you have breath in your lungs, it is because God and his benevolent graciousness towards us and because he has some plan for our life to keep us alive has kept the spirit of God allowing you to breathe. And so next time you feel salty because you have a little injury, I want you to take a breath and be like, well, God's still keeping me alive though. Because the spirit of God is trying to move in our heart and in our life according to the kindness and the purposes of God. The crazy thing, though, is that the Holy Spirit, he even conceived Christ. Matthew chapter 1 shows us. And he also regenerates us when we are born again or when he gives us new life in Christ. John chapter 3 tells us as well. So literally, the Spirit of God is the one that is orchestrating our physical living lives. So if you are alive, you have a reason to worship the Holy Spirit because he's the reason why you're alive. He is good to us. And so the Holy Spirit empowers our literal physical breath, or if we're believers in Jesus, our spiritual breath has been regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, upon becoming a believer, though, this is where kind of the fun kicks in, because the Spirit now empowers us, listen, y'all, to do work to change people's eternities. Okay. Don't make me get Pentecostal in this mug, y'all, all right? A little bit of feedback in here. Y'all hear that? You can change people's eternity, y'all. So many of us want this purpose in life, but I am telling you, the Bible says, if you're a believer in Jesus, he begins to use you to alter people's eternal destinations. All of us will either live forever or we will die forever. And if we empowered by the Spirit, help people see the beauty of Christ, we will invite them to eternal life, towards living forever. And so this brings the kingdom on earth as it will one day be in heaven. The Spirit of God does that. And he equips us really to get in the game, y'all, to serve our King. He empowers us to represent Jesus. Now we often call these spiritual gifts, and that is very important, but that's only one aspect that I have up there, okay? Because spiritual gifts are only really one thing that the Holy Spirit does. So the Holy Spirit does give spiritual gifts to you, listen, upon becoming a Christian, and he gives spiritual gifts to you upon your growth in Christ as well. 
Yes, you can get more spiritual gifts. You can grow in that. But what he also does is he also takes our natural gifts and then empowers those to do things beyond the natural realm, right? Look at all those examples on the screen. Notice how the Holy Spirit is empowering you to do the work of Christ. You see, some of those are situational empowering, like the Holy Spirit delivers you from something so he can use you for something. Mm, shoot, that's a word for someone today. God may be trying to deliver you from something so that he can use you for something. That's the Holy Spirit's work. He's the deliverer, okay? Now some of them that you see on the screen, they're actually natural gifts that are accentuated by the Holy Spirit's power. Some of them are spiritual gifts and the list could go on, okay? Let me give you some practical examples so that you can think about how to apply this and worship the Spirit in your life. I have always had the natural gift of teaching, okay? That is not a spiritual gift per se that was given to me upon salvation. I've always had that gift way before I believed in Jesus. I was always the captain of my sports teams. I was always the one that was leading different discussions. People always asked me to be the presenter in class projects and stuff like that, right? In fact, even in first grade, my first grade teacher, Miss O'Brien, she got strep one week and she already used all of her PTO. And so rather than not getting paid, she actually came to school and asked me to teach the first grade class as a first grader for the entire week, y'all. Yo, that is just shady, yo, okay? Uh, that is ghetto, real talk, all right? In fact, I need reparations for that junk because I ain't getting no pay for that week, okay? Um, so I've always had this natural gift, right? Uh, but listen, even with this natural gift, y'all, I could never say words that would awaken people's souls. Y'all dig? And so I could inspire people's minds pre-Jesus, but only the Spirit of God can take dead bones and breathe life into them again. My natural gift turns spiritual upon salvation, and God wants to do that in your life as well, okay? But he also gives us spiritual gifts. For example, with me again, the gift of shepherding, because boy, I did not care about your life pre-Jesus, okay? Listen, I got into over 30 fights growing up, and those do not include fights with my brothers. Like, not like, hey man, back off, like fist fights, all right? Like over 30 of them, I did not care about your soul, okay? I was not a gentle person, I, I really did not care. And then I got saved, and all of a sudden I had this deep love for people and for the people of God. Now, I may lack the gift of mercy a little bit in my shepherding, but y'all, I'm telling you, I would literally lay down my life for all of y'all willingly. That was not something that was in Tory naturally. That was a spiritual gift that God gave upon becoming a Christian. And so God gives us natural gifts, and he gives us spiritual gifts so that we can example Christ and highlight him and exalt him to others. Now, I say you can grow in these gifts because Christ embodied every single spiritual gift and every single spiritual empowerment that you see to perfection, and we are being transformed into the image of Christ, which means we can grow into more Christ-likeness, which means we can grow into our spiritual gifts as well, meaning just like shepherding, which grew upon me upon salvation, we can grow into other spiritual gifts as well. 
In fact, just in case that sounds strange to us, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, Paul says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. In chapter 14, verse 39, he says, so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Why would Paul tell us to desire something if we could not attain it? Paul understands that we can actually grow. You actually see this in Paul's life as you track it. There were certain things that weren't there early on that were there later in his life. And so we can grow in our spiritual gifting. For example, I do not have the gift of apostleship. That is like a starter mentality. And yet God used me to plant a church because I felt him calling me towards that. Now, even though I lacked this gift, as I stepped out in obedience, the Spirit of God began to work in that obedience, and I believe that's why the church was able to flourish. It was literally the Spirit empowering so that Christ would be exalted. In fact, this is very hypothetical, and I usually don't say stuff like this in sermons. I say them like in staff team meetings, like, hey, y'all, don't tell anybody I think this, okay? So don't tell anybody I think this, all right? But I believe that's actually why elders have the gift of healing. James chapter five, if any of you are sick, let them go to the elders, lay hands on you, pray for you, you'll be healed. Is it that you have to have the gift of healing to be an elder? No, I believe that because God wants to show his manifest presence in the world, then he empowers elders to have the gift of healing when they are in that office. The spirit of God can bring additional gifts into your life. You track him? That's good news for somebody, all right? You ain't gonna say amen, I'll say amen to that junk. All right, now some of them, listen, we have some of these more naturally, like we talked about, okay? And some of them, like the gift of worship, not all of us has. Now that doesn't mean you shouldn't sing, because God commands us to sing. It just means you shouldn't be singing up here, right? <laughs> Which, as an aside, y'all, I cannot wait until I get the spiritual gift of being able to sing worship, okay? Uh, like, I pray for it to happen on earth, all right? <laughs> Uh, it may not come until the kingdom, but a brother can pray, all right? Uh, because I'd be all jealous, because listen, every other black pastor that I know can sing, y'all. <laughs> every other one of them, all right? And I'm like, Lord, why are you stunting on me, all right? You got this side coming all out, okay? But anyway, back to my notes, all right? Preach. Hallelujah. Help him, Lord. <laughs> Listen, God, okay, or the Spirit, he empowers you to do the work of Christ and to build the kingdom of Christ, amen? He empowers you to do the work of Christ and to build the kingdom of Christ. Needless to say, in light of all of what I just said, you would be of absolutely no service to the kingdom of God at all if it was not the Holy Spirit empowering you to do that service. You would change no lives. You would have no purpose to that extent. And yet, as I said, you now have such significance that you can alter people's eternities, family. This is an unbelievable gift. And so we should be seeking to build the kingdom of Christ. In fact, when we don't seek to build the kingdom of Christ, then we're actively rejecting one of the main ways that we experience the Spirit's presence in our life, which is the empowering work of the Spirit to help us represent Christ. In other words, when we don't serve, we end up really just missing the goodness of God because that is where the Spirit of God accentuates our gifts in our life to experience Christ more clearly. We were designed to work, walk in fellowship with God, and the Holy Spirit is seeking continually to build Christ's kingdom. And so when we partner with him, we find deeper relationship 
And even if that means death to our flesh at times, because it's hard to serve in those ways, we come alive, y'all. Shoot, someone need to hear that today. If you consider others more significant than yourself, like Christ did, I'm telling you, you're gonna experience more of Jesus. We do that by serving. So the Spirit of God entrusts us with gifts, 1 Corinthians 12. He entrusts us with the truth of the gospel, 2 Timothy 1. And he even entrusts whole ministries to us. Acts chapter 20 shows us to the glory of Christ. He empowers you for work and for life in Jesus. Secondly, the next overarching work of the Spirit is that the Holy Spirit purifies Christians to be more like Christ. Now, we're gonna talk about this one a ton next week, so I won't steal the shine from next week's sermon. Uh, but simply put, the Holy Spirit is the one that cleanses us from sin and that sanctifies us. Sanctification just means becoming or looking more like Jesus. And so even back in Corinthians, as Paul talks a lot about the Spirit's work in that letter, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 11, to give context to this verse, Paul was like, hey, most of y'all cats was tripping before you knew Jesus. Most of y'all was bugging, right? And then in verse 11, he says, and such were some of you, wilding out, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, by the spirits of our God, you are cleansed by the Spirit, you are saved by the Spirit's work, and you become more like Christ because of the Spirit of God in our lives. So the Spirit of God not only reveals to us our need for a Savior, not only does he bring us to our Savior, not only does he make us more like our Savior, but then he begins to empower us to look like our Savior that we might know our Savior and others might know our Savior as well. The Spirit of God just keeps trying to make you more and more like your savior, like Jesus, hallelujah. Listen, despite all of our sin against the Holy Spirit, y'all, all of our sin, he endures to continue to make us more and more like Jesus. Come on. He is good to us. Third overarching thing, the Holy Spirit reveals to Christians and to non-Christians the person and the work of Christ. Y'all, this is so good. The Holy Spirit is so good, man. I'm about to get black Baptist up in here, okay? I don't care, shoot. Listen, the Holy Spirit reveals the Bible to us. It's one of the things that he does in the midst of trying to reveal Christ to us. And this is one of my favorite works of the Holy Spirit because all of the scriptures point to Christ, but the Holy Spirit is the author of scripture and the illuminator of scripture that we might see Christ more clearly. Let me give you an example. Even last week as I'm prepping this sermon, I got toward the very end of the sermon and I felt like the Spirit was leading me to John chapter 14. Now if you were with us last week, the whole text was in John 16, but I felt this prompting, so I go back to it, and I start reading that verse, and it says that the Holy Spirit will be with us forever. Y'all remember that point? And listen, I had never seen that word before. In fact, listen, I've read John minimum 50 times, because we preached through John before. John 14 is just a very common passage, honestly, that you go to kind of over and over again. I have been in that over and over, and I have never seen that word forever. 
But the Holy Spirit accentuates it or illuminates it that day, and I begin to realize, oh my gosh, we will have the Holy Spirit inside of us forever. Duh, like that's, that makes sense, but I've never thought about it, and I began to worship Christ because the Holy Spirit showed me something I had never seen before. The Spirit of God is trying to reveal Christ to you, family. And he does this over and over and over again, okay? I have to move a little bit faster because I could sit in this one for ages, but he authors the Bible, he illuminates the Bible, then he gives us memory of the Bible so that we can remember Jesus in the midst of it all in his effort to glorify the Son. So good, okay? Listen, the Spirit of God, he guides and directs God's people, this is all on the screen. He gives Christians assurance, he teaches and illuminates, he provides a God-like atmosphere to where he can physically manifest his presence. It's why we sang song number two today. It's that same idea there, which is why you feel what you feel during worship, which side note, why coming to a corporate gathering is so important because it's part of the way the Spirit reveals himself to us. As each of us are interacting, we see the power of God transform our lives in a way that we cannot do solo. But during worship or during prayer or during times of silence and solitude or during our times in the scripture, he literally produces this, this God-like atmosphere to allow us to be able to interact with the God of the universe. He gives evidence of God's presence, right? I put up there, there's just too many verses, okay? Like I started trying to find the ones I like the most and I was like, there's too many of them, just go read the Bible, all right? Like he gives evidence of God's presence, but even the verse that we read at the beginning, which I'm finally going to get to now, okay? Y'all are like, finally get to, don't worry, we're on the back one-third of the sermon now, all right? Because the Holy Spirit is also orderly, you feel me? He can also do what he wants though, all right? You already used that joke, playa? All right, let's look at this verse. All right, listen, it says that no ISD, no ears heard. It's like no one can know God, is what he says. And he's like, uh, actually, the spirit can know God because the spirit knows a person's thoughts, is what Paul goes on to say. Like, what am I thinking about right now? None of y'all know, right? It's like, am I thinking about how much I love this church? Am I thinking about what I'm gonna have for dinner? Am I thinking about unicorns because I have four daughters? None of y'all know, right? But, but I know that reality. And so God's spirit knows God's thoughts is what Paul is saying here. But wait, he says, we have the spirit of God now too. Like, like you have received the spirit of God. We now have the mind of Christ to understand Christ, yes, even the deep things of God, things that God has prepared for us. Y'all, there's so many things here, y'all. Like, I'm not even gonna, look it. This week, during your devotional time, go into this verse and spend 25 minutes in it and ask the Spirit to reveal and your brain's going to melt because of the goodness of God. There's so many good things here, okay? And so use it, exegete, meditate on this verse. But if you wanna know God, what Paul is saying there, then Christian, you can know God. Thank you. I'm being for real. You can know God. You do realize that you do not deserve that, right? You should not be able to know God. You are a sinner. And not to be harsh, but to be direct, our sin should keep us away from God. 
Listen, if I offend my wife Natalie over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, in fact, if most of my life is living in offense to my wife and I keep cheating on her and and speaking ignorant things to her and, and ignoring her and for her to create separation would be an okay thing, even according to the scriptures, God is able to separate himself from us because we profane the Holy One of God and yet God, because of his love for us, gives us the spirit so that you can know God. This is unbelievable. Hallelujah. So good. And so you want to know God, you can, because the spirit of God is now inside of you, revealing God to you. The Holy Spirit reveals to us the person and the work of Christ. Listen, by the way, Christ, family, is the way that we are saved, but the Holy Spirit is also God. And so when it says, for God so loved the world, the Holy Spirit is a part of that Godhead that so loved the world. Therefore, in his love, he wants to reveal Jesus to you. What am I saying? What I'm saying is that it is never God blocking God from you. It is our sin or this world or Satan or something else is blocking God, but God is never blocking God. God wants to reveal himself to you. You can know Christ. If you walk in, ask, seek depth with the Holy Spirit of God, you can know Jesus. Fourth, the Holy Spirit unifies Christians to become one with Christ. Come on, y'all, this is so good. This is so good. Um, I honestly struggled writing this portion of the sermon because it's just really, really good. But the Holy Spirit makes our engagement and soon-to-be marriage with Christ possible. Like you will be one with Jesus because of the Holy Spirit one day. And here's one thing I know, is that for many of us, we kind of have this, hey, Spirit, you stay over there. Right? And like, let me do me because I'm a little bit afraid of who you are. But I'm saying, let's not do that as a church family. That is a terrible mentality to have. We want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, not to do some weird, crazy thing so that we can know Christ. We want to know Jesus, man, oh man. And because I don't have words to say, I literally prayed that in this portion, the Spirit of God would just minister to your heart about how good that fourth truth is that he would literally speak to you, reveal to you, if not today, then this week, that you are one with Christ because of him. One day, you will be one forever, perfectly one with Jesus. Bless the Lord. Finally, last point, the Holy Spirit blesses Christians with the presence of Christ. Um, In fact, there are so many verses in the Bible that warns us not to walk in sin and through this ruin, our tangible, spiritual, experiential presence of Christ in our life. But the Spirit of God blesses us with the presence of Christ. And here's a crazy thing, y'all. Can we do the gospel point using these last two points here? Thank you, Huli. Somebody's with me. Amen. Hallelujah. We going after it, girl. Come on. John chapter 19. Think about point four and five as we tackle this this union with Christ and the presence of Christ. Beginning in verse 28, it says Christ on the cross. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch, go look up hyssop branch later to blow your mind, and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. 
and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. There's so much here, y'all, but I wanna draw your attention to two things, okay? First of all, the wine. Now, wine represents something, uh, multiple things throughout the scriptures. In fact, in a moment, we'll take communion, which was originally used with wine, which represents the blood of Jesus spilled out that you and I can be saved. So there's an element of that even here. But notice John's emphasis on the wine, though, right? Like three times in two verses, it's like, we get it, John, wine was there. Hey, why is he continually emphasizing this? Well, one of the representations of wine in the scripture is actually the Holy Spirit. You see, frequently there's this close association between the wine and between the Spirit of God throughout the scriptures. Like wine gives joy, but the Spirit does more, the scripture says. Or do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians chapter five would tell us. And there's several of them throughout the Bible. And so here you have Jesus on the cross dying for our sin and drinking the wrath of God, which is also represented as wine throughout the scriptures as well. And so sour wine or bad wine is given to Jesus and then he gives up his spirit, the good wine, if you will. Now why do I draw this out? Well, the Holy Spirit gives us union with Christ, point number four. Why? Does he do that? Why is he able to give us union? Well, here we see Jesus in the midst of his suffering and death give up his spirit. Why? And so that you and I might be filled with him. You see, Jesus, as he was paying for sin, gives up the spirit so that we who do not deserve to have the spirit of God inside of us might now have the spirit. And so as the spirit of God flees, from Christ, if you will, then the presence of Christ is now absent of that as Jesus is becoming sin on our behalf so that he can come to us as sinners who should not have the spirit of God and now reside inside of us because of the sacrifice of Christ. And so because Jesus drank the sour wine of God's wrath, we now get the better wine of the Holy Spirit that you might be one with Christ just as the Spirit is and that you might now have the presence of Christ because of the Holy Spirit of God. Bless our Savior. And because of the resurrection, because ain't no body in that ground, one day, guess what we're doing in heaven? Drinking the wine with Jesus that he actually prepares for us the, the new and the better, the eternal wine, and now one day we will be fully unified and fully connected with our Christ. The Holy Spirit is good to us, y'all. And so uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna skip that long quote up there, okay? And I wanna put back up the long list that we started with at the beginning, the long list of all these things. Which of these do you need to worship him for in your life, even right now? Can you see him moving? Can you see him providing for you? Can you realize the Spirit of God revealing Christ to you? Can you see the Spirit of God working Christ into you, either through trial or through our victory, that we might know the presence of Christ more? Can you feel the Spirit of God empowering your worship? The Father is so good to us to give us the Spirit, y'all. How do we see him working? And so I ask what I propose at the start. Let's go to the next slide, the final slide here. Of the five points, which of these are you overwhelmed with gratitude for because you realize the Spirit is working in your life? Praise Him for that. The Spirit is the reason you're even a Christian family. 
You worship the Spirit of God. And which of these do you need to grow in? Ask him for it. Ask the Spirit of God that he would reveal or that he would work or whatever it might be in you more. And as we dive deeper into this series, we're gonna think about spiritual fruit, we're gonna think about spiritual gifts, we're gonna think about the illumination of the scriptures, we're gonna think about the presence and the empowering work of the Spirit amongst us, we'll talk about a lot. But I want you to recognize who the Spirit is, week one, and what the Spirit is doing this week so that you might rightly worship the Spirit and love the Spirit of God who is revealing Christ, our Savior, to us. My goal last week and this week is really the same just help you fall a little bit more in love with the Spirit. And if you listen close enough, he's likely trying to speak to you, even in the midst of this gathering. He's probably already been trying to reveal Christ to you. And so I'm praying more and more that you would know the love of the Father through the salvation of the Son because of the work of the Spirit in our life. Amen? Yeah, I love you guys. Let's pray. In fact, in light of all of this, I want us to just take a moment and pray in silence. I'm not gonna pray over us, I'll just end us with an amen. But I want us to seek, listen for the Holy Spirit. What does he wanna speak to you? Maybe he's already been communicating, thank him. Maybe you would hear God's voice. Maybe you're not even sure where you're at with Christ. You may not even be a believer. I wanna challenge you, man, ask God to reveal himself to you today, as he maybe already has. But I want us to just take a moment. We'll have some music playing because I know some of us have a hard time thinking in dead silence. I just want us to, I want the Spirit of God to speak to us. So Holy Spirit, in your kindness, would you speak to us even now?